Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast, the podcast that's all about the Premier League and, well, this week, FA Cup and Champions League and just football in general. This week, uh, Peter's here again. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Marissa's back again. Hi, Marissa. Hello. How is everyone? Not bad. And uh, making his long-awaited return, Carl Gwilliam. Hi, Carl. How are we doing, guys? Glad to be back. Yeah, been yeah, missing no. you all. Been missing you all. Yeah, and in yeah. that time, we've transferred an Arsenal fan in. Can't believe it. <laughs> Just going to have to get over it, Carl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to deal with it. I'm going to have to deal with yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, there's loads to talk about, but there's only one place to start, and that is, uh, well, Will Grigg. Will Grigg's on fire, obviously. Unbelievable results. Wigan with their third Premier League scalp of the FA Cup, knocking... City out. The quadruple dream is over. Uh, scraps on the pitch, scraps in the tunnel. Where do you want to start with this? Peter, do you want to get us going? I only saw reports, actually. Well, start with the scrap after the match. Uh, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit sad because it's kind of taken the shine off. But it was a great result and a good performance by Wigan. Um, but supposedly the fan is spat in the I was here. And he said, suck my, you know what? So... Yeah, Aguero was more than within his rights to try and go for for the fan, you know. Yeah, we'll have to see what comes of that. Like, in terms of Aguero, you know, they were saying last night maybe he'll get a ban. The talk now is that they might be, City and Aguero might be filing a a common assault case against the fans. So, um, you know, nobody wants to see that kind of side of things. I think in general, 99.9% of Wigan fans were just, you know, running on to celebrate you know, they're down in League One now, so it's a massive scalp for them. I thought City would eventually break them down, even though they're down to 10 men. It's not the first time. City did it against Everton earlier on in the season as well. They were down to down to 10 men for the entire second half, and they still managed to post crazy possession stats, like 83% possession against a team, even when you have 10 men, which shows you just how good a job Guardiola's done a coaching them players. You know, like Their rotation to always be a man free is, is just great, great to watch. Well, it's not great to watch because I'm a Man United fan, but <laughs> you have to take your hat off to it sometimes. And yeah, absolutely. Like if, any, if it was going to be anyone, like everyone loves the Will Gregg song. So uh, happy days that it was him that... That, that stuck the knife in City in the end and, and it was really well taken goal fair play to him but yeah I'm kind of like Guardiola I thought he was he, I thought the other manager Paul Cook was it Paul Cook the Wigan boss yeah. he handled himself quite well afterwards he said you know I wish them the best they play great football hope they win the league and the Premier League and all that kind of stuff um, Guardiola everyone thinks is the darling and all the rest but he's like all other managers and most other people in general when things don't go his way we saw it a few times last season as well he does toy, throw his toys out of the pram a bit I saw some of us carry on in the in the tunnel um, running for the referee at half time and I'd be pretty sure if, if it was my club's manager doing that he'd be banned Carl I mean it's a fantastic result and as Peter says it is a shame about whatever happened on the pitch afterwards, and Wigan most likely will probably get fined and and whatever. But I'm sure they they're not they're not going to care about that. But as we said as well, the quadruple is over. You still think they're going to win the the other three, maybe? Well, I think that we definitely say that they've they've definitely got the Premier League in the bag, haven't they? That that one is guaranteed. No one's going to catch them. They're not going to slip up enough to take that. So that's one. The League Cup. Um, you never know with Arsenal, dear. Arsenal can turn up on a big day. You know, no one gave them a chance against Chelsea in the cup final last year. Well, at least I didn't. I thought Chelsea would bully them and beat them. But then Arsenal turned up and played out of their skin that day. So 
that that League Cup could go either way, but you'd fancy City still to win that and have too much for Arsenal um, with their attacking ability. And obviously now the only problem for Arsenal could be City will now be looking for a, a reaction on the weekend. Um, the Champions League, again, oh, that, that's so tight, isn't it? Because you've put City as one of the favourites, definitely for that competition, but those games can go either way, as we've seen this week. You know, I didn't think Madrid would beat PSG, but they did. Um, the way we started looked like we were going to get a Tonkin, um, and then we come back and with a better side. So I, I see them potentially maybe only winning two. I, I get the impression, I think the Champions League, they may come a cropper in that over two legs, I think. Um, but I think the league and potentially the League Cup this weekend, um, I think it's bad timing for Arsenal, I really do. Um, I think Arsenal probably needed them to go through because now I can see Pep and them, them guys being really up for trying to make a statement on Sunday. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And uh, what about it then, Marissa? As Carl says, City could be going into this Carabao Cup final out for blood, really. Yes, I agree there. As Carl said, yeah, it was probably better for Arsenal if they'd got through against Wigan. Um, but I do think, again, that Arsenal, just in those big games, in those finals at Wembley, I think they've only lost like, one in their last 10 games at Wembley, which was recently against Spurs. So I just think on that big occasion, they can turn it on you know, just sort of come from nowhere. And when you think about it, there are still some very good teams in the Europa League. So realistically, this is Arsenal's only chance at a trophy this season, whereas Man City still have potentially Champions League and definitely the league to aim for. So I think Arsenal, yeah, I'd back Arsenal. I mean, biased, but yeah, I would <laughs> say they can just come up with something on that day that you won't see for the rest of the season and, and beat Man City. I definitely agree with that, Marissa. You know, at no point mm. yet would I write Arsenal out of this game because you just yeah. know they are capable of that performance uh, of where you think they don't have a chance and then suddenly they pull off one of these performances and results that you just think, well, I never exactly. saw that happening. You don't see it very often in a season, maybe two, three games in a season, you see Arsenal play that way and you think, why can't they do that all the time? But it's like a one-off you know, occasion. Yeah, I'm looking at City at the moment, though, lads. And since John Stone, you remember when John Stones went out, everybody thought, yeah, oh, that's a big loss for them. Um, he, he's been poor since he came back. Laporte l- looks a little bit unsure of him as well. Listen, I, I wouldn't go as far as back in Arsenal um, by any means, but I do think potentially they have players with the pace to, to hurt City on the counter. Um, it, I. I you just kind of look at it and think, will they be able to hold City out at the other end? Are they strong enough defensively to um, to cope against City? And I think even Arsenal team kind of based on, on possession. So it's a strange one for them as well to go into a game where they're not going to have possession. But if they set up right, you, you know, the City do leave gaps, but you have to be extremely clinical. I, I'd probably still... Yeah, I, I'd have to I'd put, put money on it, which I probably will. I, I would back uh, City, but Arsenal definitely could give them a, a better game than most people think because they bet them in the semi-final of the FA Cup last year. You're right, we all wrote Arsenal off last year and they they stumped us. Well, they stumped me, cost me a fortune by winning the FA Cup final against Chelsea. But I think in terms of the, the bigger picture that Carl was talking about, I think in a way... Look, I think on their day they can beat anybody in Europe, City. I do think the likes of Barcelona and Real 
can up things to another level as they go through the Champions League tournament. So I, I would fancy one of them to, to give them a good game. But I think that the, the fact that the Premier League is almost in the bag, it increases City's chances in Europe. Because you think about it when it gets to the quarter-final stages, Guardioli will have the luxury then of almost being able to rest players. You've kind of seen the opposite of that, though, haven't you, with a lot of Guardiola's side, certainly when he was at Bayern, when they the league racked, racked up by now, they sort of seemed to drop off, their intensity levels dropped off, and they didn't go as far as they might have done in the Champions League. Yeah, they only have two cup competitions in there as well, over in Germany as well, Sam. I, I know what you mean, though. It, it's true. It's the same with PSG. People have said it for years because they have the... The league's wrapped up so early, um, but they're less competitive leagues than the Premier League. Like City, as brilliant as they have, I was watching a a video earlier on of just the amount of kind of last-minute winners they scored this year. So, you know, at Bayern, he was winning 4-5-0 every week. It hasn't really been that case in the Premier League. So I, I think they're in a lot more competitive place than you know his former Bayern sides or the PSG sides, um, but for most other clubs going into this last run, uh, you know a league has rarely been as wrapped up so early as it has been now. You know that's when you really start to kind of have to prioritise one or the other. And I think Guardiola has the league in the bag, so he'll be able to rest players for the the latter stages of the Champions League, which just makes them even more dangerous. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Carl, unfortunately, you've been missing for the last few weeks, so we weren't able to chat about the results against United, Liverpool, Arsenal and Juve. But Rochdale, what happened? Was it just a hangover from the Champions League? <laughs> That's what happens when, unfortunately, you put players like Sissoko and Lorente in your side, unfortunately, <laughs> and players who are, who are, shall we say, are maybe not as match fit and that as they should be. Um, fully understandable. Whatever team we put out, we should have been able to go to Rochdale and get a result. But it does show, you know, for me, it does show the lack of depth and quality that we kind of have if you take out a few key players. Um, and it does just go to show how key, you know, Delhi, Ericsson and Kane are because without Kane in the side, we just have no bite. You know, Lorente's had more than enough opportunities now to come in and prove himself and he just doesn't look a player at all doesn't even look an athlete you know very rare do you look at a footballer and see that he, he doesn't even look like he can run let alone do anything with the ball um you know Sissoko fair play it was a great ball for the goal you know one of the highlight for us there was Lucas looked really sharp looked good um Son had an off day um I don't potentially think it was just that we underestimated Rochdale I just think the players that were there just were not sharp enough um, and, you know, Rochdale raised their game. They were brilliant. Full credit to them. You know, they deserved that draw at least. It would have been cruel if we nicked that winner, to be honest. Um, so, fair play to them. Uh, we caused our own problems, really. Again, you know, players giving it away in silly places. And But we live to fight another day and get the replay. Um, you yeah, know, with City going out, obviously, that's, that's, mass, that's a massive boost for, you know, oh, you sit there now and say you've got Spurs, Chelsea and Arsenal, who you would put as your favourites now for the Cup. But we may have to go to Swansea away. And right now, you, I wouldn't I wouldn't say Swansea would be an easy game if they get through going to the Liberty the way they're playing. So, yeah, we, we live to fight another day. And hopefully yesterday gave us more of an edge and hopefully brings the trophy closer. But we've got to do what we need to do in, in the other round first.
Carl, I wanted to ask you, because you didn't really get into it too much there, um, you, the display against Juve was absolutely superb. I think we'd all agree. Um, after being two, go- two goals down to, to, to boss the game. But the two players stood out for me, Dembele, who I just don't think there's any other centre midfielder like. And uh, someone you give a lot of stick to a lot of the time, but I kind of felt that that was almost him stepping up on the big stage and saying, look at me. I thought Christian Eriksen was unreal that night, Carl. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's the sort of game that I want to see Eriksen have more often. And that's the sort of game he can have, you know. And when you look at the game he played in the World Cup qualifiers for Denmark, <laughs> when he, I, you know, sorry to bring that up, guys. Is that a sore memory still? <laughs> but no, but when he has those sort of games, that's what frustrates me with him. That is, that is the player that's there. Um, and when he steps up like that, then he's a magician. He's brilliant. And like, as you say, Dembele is just a beast when, when he's on form. I mean, as Joey Barton said, it's amazing he hasn't been capped by France yet over Pogba. Um, you know, really surprised with that one, eh, Joey? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a brilliant performance that night. You know, other than that first 10 minutes where I was close to turning it off because you just thought, here we go again. The, you know, this is going to be one of them nights where we become a laughing stock. But after that first 10, maybe 15 minutes, we were well in control and, you know, had most of the possession and Dembele just, well, yeah, when he's in that form, there's no it's better It's an experienced up. team to do it against as well, though, Carl. Like, I kind of thought, oh, you're 2-0 down to Juve. You kind of look at Chiellini, Buffon, you know, the experience in that team. I, I just thought they're screwed here, like. You know, yeah, same, same so me. Yeah, yeah. Back, it's not like you came back against any old team. It's like Juventus. How many finals have they been in over the last couple of years and stuff? With, with, the, with yeah. a backboard, it's basically won the World Cup and stuff. It's unbelievable. As you say, traditionally, you'd sit there and think, if you go two down against an Italian team, even one down, you're screwed because defensively, they, they know how to shut up a game and just see it out. So, yeah, I mean, if there's anything to prove, maybe they've got over their bottle in... You know, sort of, you know, big game, lack of big game, but all experience. Maybe that was the first showing of it. Um, but now we've got to go and do it in the next leg and, you know, make the most of what those two away goals and that performance. But if they have that, if they carry on playing the way they are over these last four or five games, then we should be able to get through that one and look for a quarter final, a good quarter final tie because the form's been brilliant at the moment. There's no doubt about that. It's just. Yeah, when we change the team and we bring in, you know, rest a few key players, we it kind of shows our lack of depth. And, you know, when players are not playing regularly, like Winks and Wenyama, you really see it when they do get a full game because their touch is not there, their their fitness or their energy is not there. They get caught out making mistakes because Wenyama was dreadful. I mean, I've never seen him get bullied so much as he did in that Rochdale game, you know, just getting pushed off the ball and... Yeah, you know, he, he was he he's a beast and he doesn't normally get pushed around like that. He wouldn't have done last year. So yeah, there's still a few issues there, but when we've got our best eleven out, as we say, we give anyone a game, I think. Right, well Peter Carl mentioned a couple of the uh the favourites for the FA Cup, but didn't mention United and there's a quick mention of Pogba in there as well, and I know I, I just get the feeling that you were building up to a rant last week ahead of the pod that we missed. No, I think I had my rant the week before and, you know, over like the Spurs game and stuff. And I, I don't think too much has changed um, in between. Obviously, United got the, the 2-0 win um, 
VAR was up to it, didn't exactly cover itself in glory. Um, I have to say, as much as I kind of stick up for United a lot, well, I try to a lot of the time, or just to, to try and give a balanced opinion on them sometimes. They're, they're, they're a hard watch at times, and they were a very, very difficult watch against uh, Huddersfield, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, a couple of clinical finishes aside, they were really, really poor, I thought. And um, yeah, the whole the whole Pogba thing is getting a bit bit messy now. Um, I suppose we're all a bit fickle because, you know, it wasn't so long ago we were saying he was the reason United were struggling. But the, the debate over his position is starting to get a bit out of hand now. You know, I think Mourinho pointed out as well in the Newcastle defeat where he was diabolical. I know they were saying he was injured, but he just he just looked completely off the pace. And you, you could see there was a couple of times even... Shelby was running into the box and he'd just stand there and let him run by him, you know, and then not challenge him for the header. It's 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 not on. Like, it's a, he gets a lot of stick, you know, for the hairstyles and the social media and all. And I always thought that was a bit harsh. You know, he's just a different generation than a lot of the guys who are criticising him. But, you know, he when it comes to... It's like he wants to be doing... the the fancy thing all the time Mourinho's used the word simplicity when he talked a lot lately when he talks about Carrick and when he talks about the young boy McTominay he says he likes their simplicity and and that's when you watch De Bruyne De Bruyne never takes more um, another touch than is exactly necessary De Bruyne gets the ball and it's in and out in two or three touches all the time Pogba's dilly dallying trying to be you know, trying to do something, trying to do techers or whatever the fuck they call it. Like, and it, it's just, it, it, it's getting annoying now for an 89 million pound midfielder. I know he wants to play on the left of a three, but in certain other occasions, you, you have to man up and you have to be prepared to do a job for your team. You can't say, I only want to run in one direction, you know. So it, it, it's getting a bit, a bit messy. I don't know what's going on with, you know, he was, Mourinho hit out at everyone criticising his relationship with him and Mourinho quite right, rightly pointed out he was actually playing in that advanced left midfield position against Newcastle but then you know he he's off sick for the next game so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out but it's strange after 18 months your, your record by there's still such a big debate over where exactly he should be played and I thought the other day watching United Sanchez maybe it didn't stick out with Arsenal as much because none of them run back but he doesn't run back very much either. And he left Luke Shaw isolated a lot of the time. So I'm not sure exactly how he's going to fit into Mourinho's stereotypical team. So uh, they're very, very stodgy at the moment, United. And there's definitely some big question marks about how Mourinho is going to fit a few of them players into his team. Kind of talking about that then, Marissa, because uh, Peter said about the clinical finishing, Lukaku takes his tally to 20 for the season, which is very impressive, I think, by anyone's standards. And... I don't think his place in the starting eleven is really in question, but there are still lots of questions about whether he can do it in the big games. Is he just a flat track bully? Is are any of those kind of criticisms fair? Do you think, or you know, twenty goals a season by this stage of the year, that's that should be good enough. Yeah, I suppose it is good enough. But as you said, it's the teams he's scoring against, or if he scores against a big team, the, the team's already like three nil up, two nil up. So he's just scoring. Another goal. It's not the goal that wins the game or changes the game. It's just like adding, you know, sort of gloss to the scoreline. So against those bigger clubs, whether it's the way United play, like it's normally against the big clubs, they kind of have a negative style. Mourinho will set up for a draw and take that, not really go into attack and win. Perhaps that's why Lukaku doesn't maybe thrive 
in that sort of game as much as he does maybe you know against like a Burnley or Stoke or someone like that who they're just going to completely flatten because at the start of the season when Man United just seemed to win every game 4-0 Lukaku was there in the goals but against you know maybe the likes of Arsenal Chelsea a bit more subdued you might not get as many chances not good enough service so while 20 goals a season is good if you break it down against the important teams you know the big six it's not as good a result. Most of his goals against the big six come at Everton, not many at Man United. So I think that's an area of his game he needs to improve because you want a big game player, you know, scoring against Huddersfield, that's where pretty much everyone in the team could do. But against Arsenal or Man City, the big teams who have much stronger defences, is he able to breach that defence, get an important goal with maybe even the winner for Man United? I'm not quite sure he's there yet. Yeah, to be fair, I, I know what you mean, Marissa, but I do think um, there was a few months ago I said now that I uh, I was concerned by not by him not scoring against the big teams. I think that's made a bit too big of a deal. His record against big C, top six teams, considering he's, he spent most of his career playing for Everton and West Brom and that against the other top six teams. It, it wasn't necessarily his fault. He didn't have the same kind of numbers that other top six strikers had against top six teams. But I was really concerned by his hold-up play and his lack of ability to link the play, his first touch. But I have to say, in the last month or two, I've been really, really impressed by how much Lukaku has come come on in that regard. So I'm actually a lot more optimistic as a United fan looking at at Lukaku now. And and I honestly think that the goals against the big teams will come eventually. It's a bit too early to be judging them. United haven't exactly been scoring many goals against big teams either. So, yeah, I I would say at the end of next season, if he still hasn't been scoring any goals against big rivals, then everyone can jump on it. But I think as a a team, United haven't maybe showed up to a few of the games against big teams big six rivals, it's not always necessarily his fault, you know. What about issues at the back then, Peter, as well? Because obviously there's some stuff that, I mean, there's Mike's terrible dive, um, Phil Jones looking uh, like he's a horse falling down the stairs. Yeah, they, they need to go, Sam. Yeah. Um, I'll try not to go on and on because it could turn into just <laughs> a, a pod about me ranting. But them two boys need to go. They're just not good enough to... I'll go back to the Spurs game. The Jones trying to take that. You're a defender, Sam, so you know. Not having the ability to to make that clearance with his left foot yeah. has caused that own, own goal. So anybody wanting to play for a top six club, any professional footballer should be ashamed of themselves if they can't lift, put their left foot out to, to knock that away and they're trying to side foot it with their right foot. And then Smallin, Smallin, like... Do you ever see small? It's ridiculous. And that's why United get so stodgy sometimes because other teams sit off them and say, just let small and have the ball because he'll just turn out. No, I'm serious, Sam. People no, I know he does march up the pitch sometimes and then just leave loads yeah, no, of space behind him. And... People do it to Chelsea sometimes. They try and isolate Gary Cahill. On, you know, they try and isolate the poorest player off the opposition in possession. And that's what they do to, to Smallin. Yeah, he, he's like a granddad playing with kids in the back garden. He has to turn his whole body in the direction he's about to kick it. Have you ever seen him? And then out to Valencia. And then it comes back to him. He has to turn around 360 and knock it back to the goalkeeper. It, it's, it's a, he's an, an embarrassingly bad footballer to be playing at that elite level. And, uh, you know, they were bought by Ferguson because they were the two best English centre-halves. They were the future of Man United. Yeah, well, no one told us that future was going to be awkwardness and just shit. 
Um, no, they they need to they need to go. Um, boy, he's a good defender. Lindelof was brought in to be that ball playing centre back, which I think you need at the top level. Uh, but he doesn't really look ready either. So um, they need to get a top class centre half in in the summer, hundred percent. Right then, uh, should we do a quiz? Let's, yeah, do why not? let's do it, Sam. Come on. All right, let's then. Do let's do a quiz. Uh, Peter is the reigning champion for a while on this, Carl, so uh, you're going to have to get in on this. Uh, and, uh, and, and Marissa, up your game now, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no usual. Question. It's the usual thing. I'm going to give you uh, a whole bunch of teams that a player has played for. You identify the player by the teams that he has played for. Got it? Ready. Yep. So, team number one for this player was Valladolid in Spain. Right Team number two was Real Madrid. Oh, go on. Uh, Ramos. No. Club number two was Real Madrid. Nobody? No. Club number three was Al Ryan. No. And club number four, where he finished his career, Bolton Wanderers. Carl. Carl. Oh, what's his name? Oh, Peter. Fl- yeah, Peter. Peter. <laughs> oh no, it could be. It could be. Uh, oh, I can't think of his be, name. Could be too. I'm gonna go Ivan Campo. No. <laughs> oh. Peter. Go on, Peter. Herrero. Herrero. Hierro, yeah. Fernando Hierro. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Oh. Points for you. Right then, player number two began his career at Laval. Are these all Spanish, Sam? I'm not. I'm not saying yes or no. <laughs> I love the way he 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 says a club that we don't know where they're from. He probably doesn't even know how to pronounce it, and he and then he pauses as if we're all going to jump in. And well, go, I gotta give yeah, you the yeah, chance, you know. I gotta give you the chance. <laughs> all right, club number two then was Liverpool. Where do you come from, Lavan? Laval, L-A-V-A-L. Carl. Carl. Enrique. No. Club number three was Lance on loan. Peter. Peter. Bruno Sheru. No. Bruno Sheru, that's a blast. God, I haven't heard that name in fucking years. Thanks. Yeah. Let's <laughs> so write that one down it's for all a future be one. Bruno Sheru. Yeah, all right. The next club then was Charlton Athletic. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. All right, I'll move on. The next club was Portsmouth. Bloody hell. Carl. Carl. Patrick Berger. No. It's good though, Carl. The next club, again on loan, was Wren. Oh, Carl. Carl. Balotelli. No. No, it's not. (laughs) Balotelli? No, nobody? Charlton. Then from Wren, he did another loan spell at Birmingham City, but only played three times. Pete. Oh, no, it's not. I was going to say Dugaree, but he never went to Liverpool. After that, he went to Monaco. Uh, oh, Florence Simigam Simigam <laughs> That's another great call, but no. No. <laughs> Next one was... Cole? Yeah? Milan Barros. No. Next one was Marseille. 
He's working his way up in the world at the moment. Tell you, yeah, yeah. Proper journeyman, right? <laughs> if you say Real Madrid next, they're going to snap. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then finish his career at Seattle Sounders. No chance here. All right. No chance. I'm going to give you an... Uh, I've got two hints. First of which is he's French. Yeah, we kind of guessed that much. And secondly, he's a Champions League winner. With Liverpool. French. Marissa. Marissa? Gibral Cissé? No. Oh, it's not a bad one, though. No, it's not yeah, a bad good call. shout. All right. Fingers on the buzzers here, because I'm going to give you a very good hint. He's basically a joke figure as the worst player ever to win the Champions League. Peter. Peter. Marissa. Traore. It was Jimmy Traore. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, Peter's won it and again. The best, the best own yeah. goal ever. Yeah, oh, that's true. The best own goal ever scored. That is true. Right, final one, just for some pride. Uh, this player began his career at Luton Town. I'll Carl. carry on. Carl? John Hartson. It's John Hartson! Unbelievable! No, <laughs> Unbelievable! Fucking <laughs> okay, have that. Have that. And that's why I leave a pause after the first one. Yeah. Unbelievable scenes. Amazing, right? <laughs> All right, well, that was very, very well done, uh, Carl. So, uh, well, let's crack on with the show. Let's talk about uh, Chelsea. Conte, then, still in the job. Last time we spoke, we were pretty much predicting that he'd be gone, depending on whatever happened at West Brom, but... West Brom are a joke. Uh, so they've had a couple of decent results, but they play Barcelona tonight just before we record this. Um, so what do we think about this? Obviously, it's a, a fixture with a lot of history in this competition. Do we think they're going to get through? Have they got a chance in this game? They've uh, got a chance, but I don't think they'll get through. No. It depends how they start in the first leg. But I've seen they're not playing with a recognised striker. They're doing the false nine with mm-hmm. Hazard. So I don't really know why you'd be leaving Morata on the bench for a game of this magnitude. But I suppose it's one of those things you think, all right, maybe Conte knows best and afterwards you'll be calling it like a masterstroke. But I can't see anything other than Barcelona win, really. Well, well done, Marissa. You're very brave to do that, considering uh, this will go out after the game has happened and who knows what will happen. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good, no, good see, I, I kind of... Um, Someone's got to do it. Yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, we, obviously we don't know and we, we'll either look smart or stupid when, when, the pod, when the pod's actually released tomorrow. But I think that's, that's a strange move. I think he did the same against City at home. Or do you remember Murata came off and he, he did it? He went with the false nine. I, I think you might get it away with it against certain teams in the Premier League, but I'm not sure about it against Barcelona. Like you're obviously going to be under the cosh. Um, for me, you you need that kind of focal point striker who'll take the ball in. And I actually even think Giroud's looked a really good fit in the couple of games yeah, that that, um, that that he's played for them. Um, just as you know, because Giroud's actually extremely good at little layoffs and kind of wall passes. I even think he would be a better option. So if they have done that, I think it's quite strange. I think Chelsea of last season would probably have a better chance than than the Chelsea of this season. With you know they just aren't as high on confidence at the moment. But then again, you know Aiden Hazard is he's in such form at the moment. He could come up with a couple of moments of magic. But I think overall 
you know, Marissa's right. They, they might scrape something tonight, although I'm very surprised they're going with the false nine. Um, but over the two legs, I, I think Barca will just have too much. To, Chelsea, I think we discussed it last week. Chelsea don't seem to have that kind of, you know, like back in the days, you know, they had some great games against Chelsea. But do you remember even the... You know, they, they had such team spirit and all in that 2012 team, a team to had been together for a lot of years and won stuff, had a lot of history together. And they brought in so many players this season and all. I, I'm not sure that they have that kind of... Uh, that, they're not as united as a team as you, you would need to be to pull off a victory over Barcelona over two legs. Well, this is, this is a big test, isn't it, tonight? Because let's face it, after that Watford game, we all thought Conte was basically a dead man walking. But then he's got lucky in the next two games. They're playing, you know, West Brom, who, as we've said, are a joke. And then they get Hull at home in the FA Cup, who, you know, no one would have, you know, no one really gave Hull a hope. So they've got, they've those two games are probably great games for them because they would have been hard pushed to come out of those games with nothing. Where now again, they'll come up against a decent side. And this is where we'll see how good this Chelsea team is because their form before that West Brom game, they were looking, if anyone was going to fall out the top four, it was going to be Chelsea. And it looked like it was imploding and, you know, the usual second season syndrome. So tonight, if they get a result tonight, then it potentially inspires them and pushes them on. But if they go and get tonked tonight, free, you know, free nil and it's a heavy defeat and basically the tie is over... Then again, the questions will be asked, is Conte a dead man walking? And can this team, has this team imploded again? And, yeah. you know, after that, will the form dip? So I think tonight's really key for Chelsea because this could be a season-defining game for them tonight. Yeah, they, Carl, they, they have United at the weekend as well. You know, and obviously there's a lot of needle there between uh, Conte and Mourinho. So, like, it is funny because, you know, you can say for, like, a week's a short time in football. They got two victories, kind of the speculations died down. But, you know, Chelsea are the kind of club, and I suppose in many ways all clubs are, but, you know, they're never more than seven days away from a crisis. Like, so, it's like right. said, if they go out and get to, get get badly done tonight, um, and then they go to Old Trafford and, and lose next week. And they've City know, after they, that. They, Sorry? And they've City yeah, they after City, that. Yes, yeah, City after that. So it's really a defining couple of weeks in, in his... I suppose they'll still be in the, in the FA Cup no matter what happens throughout that period. But, you know, if they were to lose both of them away games in Manchester, get knocked out, they could be in... You know, you're, you're probably up behind them in the top four race, Carl. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big couple of weeks coming up for them. So, yeah, we'll see. Although, like I said, I do... I do I, I, I think Giroud actually surprisingly fits into that team really well. So it'll be interesting to see how he utilises him because Murata's confidence looks a bit a bit shot lately. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, at the start of the season, we were saying um, we weren't sure about Murata being kind of a first-choice striker. Not that we didn't think he was good, just that he'd never really done it for a full season before. He's already played more minutes this season than he's ever played for any of his previous clubs before. So... Um, that's why I think, as a part to why he's struggling a bit now, you know. Well, we'll see if we've got egg in our face tomorrow when, uh, well, if Chelsea beat Barcelona or not. It's an interesting one with Barcelona, though. Obviously, they're they're walking their, their league domestically, but they've played a shitload of games since the turn of the year. I think they've played something like 13 games since the 4th of January when they came back. So uh, 
there, there, there's, there is hope there, I think, for Chelsea. Uh, Arsenal are pretty much through in uh, in the Europa League, winning 3-0 in the first leg against uh, Ostersund. So that game's a bit of a dead rubber. We mentioned the Carabao Cup earlier. But uh, let's just go back a- again then to the to the Spurs game, Peter, because you called it uh, when we spoke about Mkhitaryan being a player who goes missing in those big games. Now, this could be an issue, I guess, come the weekend. Yeah, unless he does something that he hasn't done since he came to England. I think there was one game for United he scored against Spurs at Old Trafford in his first season. But apart from that, he was basically a, a passenger against um, in all most of the other big games. So um, it'll be interesting to see. He, he was diabolical against Spurs, uh, I thought. Um, I think most people thought he, he was really, really poor. He, he just seems to be that... If you watch him, when it comes to a big game, if if his first pass isn't really, if he makes a mistake or like misplaces a pass earlier on, early on in a, in a big game, he he just doesn't seem to recover from it, you know. So I, I think Arsenal fans have seen both sides of Mkhitaryan in a very very short time. They've seen the, you know, the three assists and looking really good in a, in a stroll of a home game. And then they've seen the gone away to a big rival and been non-existent. So they've seen the two faces very, very early. So listen, I've nothing against him. If he goes out and he plays well against City, you know, fair play to him. But um, I, I am not surprised in any way, shape or form that he put in such an abject performance in his first big outing for Arsenal. If it happened, right, that Arsenal win the Carabao Cup, and as we said, we, we don't think that City will probably... We don't think that City are going to win the Champions League. So let's just say that. If they I just... Do. You do. Well, if mm-hmm. they, just say, if they just won the league, would that be a failure of a season? No, yeah, not I think so. I'd say so in the position they are now, wouldn't you? You'd mm. have to say that if they hadn't got to the cup final, maybe you might go, oh, okay, Pep's... You know, they, they walked the title. But with that squad and the money he's spent now, to only come away with a league, oh, I think you'd say that could be disappointing. Yeah, yeah, especially I, I, after going out to Wigan in the FA Cup, you know, a match you would have expected them to win, then really, I, I say at least two trophies this season. Yeah, it'd be it'd definitely be like a bad, bad week, and wouldn't it? Because like <laughs> football, football's all about momentum, isn't it? At the end of the day, and, you know, do, do they lose a bit of confidence? Because as brilliant as City have been, like, like I said. A lot of the momentum they built up through the early part of the season came from them last-minute winners, Bournemouth, Southampton. Do you remember they went? They won three games in the space of seven days with last-minute winners, two-one or something. So, you know, it, it, the, the air like you're going up against them now, thinking they're almost invincible, but that's kind of built up over over a period of so, time. So, like, if they if Arsenal were to do them this weekend, and um, they're too far clear in the Premier League, but like. You know, even the loss of confidence could affect him in the Champions League. But um, I think they have a really good shout at the Champions League. I think we said it before. Um, Real, Barca, although they will show up at the latter stages, they're not as strong as they were. Neither are Bayern Munich. So I, I 100% think there'll be an English team in the final this year. Uh, I'd agree with that. But I think actually all of the England English sides are looking really, really strong. I was surprised... I think as as we all were, as you guys mentioned, when Spurs came back against Juve, I thought when they went 2-0 down, all right, that's it, game over, ball burst. But uh, United would be interesting in there as well. I mean, we've they've got their problems, but I think Jose Mourinho in these kind of cup games is going to be 
a bitch to play against for anybody. Liverpool yeah. look incredible, uh, and certainly in cup competition. Well, they're out of the FA Cup and that, but I, I think they would be <laughs> a very good cup side in Europe anyway. And Chelsea, who knows what the fuck's going to happen with Chelsea, but uh, it should be interesting, definitely. Do you think Arsenal can go all the way, Marissa? I know you were a little bit doubtful earlier. Go all the way in the Europa League? Yeah. Mm. Well, there's so many good teams in it. It's not like Man United last season where they pretty much strolled through it. You've got Napoli, Borussia Dortmund, RB Leipzig, you know, Atletico Madrid. You've got some really good sides in there. And I think, I don't know, just Arsenal coming up against them is sort of like Champions League again. Maybe they'll have the experience. The other teams might be able to grind out a result. I mean, maybe quarterfinals, I would say, they'll get to. But I'm not sure about them going all the way. If there wasn't such strong competition with the other sort of teams in there, and it was more like the sort of set of Man United had last season, then I'd definitely back Arsenal. But there are still some very good teams in there that Arsenal will come up against and crumble. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet money on them winning the Europa League, which is why I think they have to go all out for the Carabao Cup on the weekend because I think that presents their best chance at a trophy. Yeah, it's pretty. T- it's it's tough on them as well. Uh, have you seen that weird rule why uh, Abamyang can play in uh, in the Europa yeah. League? Because they they've, <laughs> they've shot lack they've shot Lacazette's confidence by signing Abamyang, and now they can't play him. And Lacazette is and Lacazette's well. now injured for like six yeah. weeks, so they've but only you- got Welbeck. I mean, Welbeck for any competition doesn't fill anyone with confidence. Never mind your best, you know, one of your best chances of winning a trophy. So. It won't be easy for Arsenal. Do you have you all heard that rule why Aubameyang can't play? Go on. It's because so Sanchez, even though he's played in the Europa League, can play for Man United because his club aren't competing in the same competition. Mm-hmm. But Aubameyang played in the Champions League for Borussia Dortmund, but because they've been relegated down to the Europa League now, even though he hasn't played in it, he can't play for Arsenal. Uh, it's because it's in case he ends up coming against up against his old club, but that's stupid. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, yeah. That well, he hasn't actually played. He's cup tied from playing in a tournament he didn't actually play in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Marissa, but that's really bad, funny. Man. That's just pure. Arsenal. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you've got Mikitarian wearing the seventy-seven because Sanchez wore number seven, so oh, they've off. got to Mikitarian at, you know, at seventy-seven. I mean, what? what you know, it just seems like utter nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. Just and, fuck off. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's the uh, kind of thing you think, oh, God, say we're in the Europa League. Like, you know, this, this wouldn't happen in the Champions League, but we haven't been good enough to get there. So this is what you're stuck <laughs> with instead. Uh, right, let's move on then. Swansea, they were held in the cup, but they are flying under Carver's Calva, Calvalhal, Calvalhal. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Carl, you mentioned him earlier, and I think you've been very impressed by his, uh, well, Swansea and the, the rescue job that he's done there. Yeah, they seem to now be a side, don't they, who are playing with a purpose. And, you know, at home now, you, you fancy them to at least give teams a game. Um They'll obviously still, you know, every team normally puts a little run together and then may have a little dip again. But if they carry on playing the way they are, then they'll get out of trouble because they look the one team down there now who basically could go on a massive run and get the results needed to see them clear. Um, and as I said, I don't if we if you know if they get past Sheffield Wednesday and we suddenly have to go to the Liberty Stadium again, 
I think that'll be a really tough game. And obviously, you know, we would then have to field our best 11 because that wouldn't be a gimme, you know, the way they're playing now. I think, you know, they'd give us a real good game and it wouldn't even surprise you if they won at home the way they're playing. So full credit to him. He's gone in. You know, when that appointment was made, I think everyone probably went, ooh, what are they doing? You know, this team not learning. But fair fair play, he's done a great job by looks of it. He's got them all together and as a team. So you can't knock him. Yeah, I have to... um, You know, since he came in, lads, in the Premier League form table, they're level on points with Man City. Yeah, that's 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 some job, like... But you have to just say, like, I think... Do you know that sometimes you look at a club and just the vibe off them, everything? Like, I, I look at them now and, every, like, everyone's falling in love with this Carvajal fella. Like, the analogies he's coming out with, I put all the meat in the barbecue and the cars through <laughs> London and, you know, Sardines. Police Academy. Yeah, yeah, he's just, like, he's um, he's talking a lot of shite, basically. But while they're getting results, it looks great. But uh, he's, he's, he's entertaining and he seems to be getting a lot of the media, everything on side and... I think it just it seems to be the players love playing from the fans seem to have a bit of enjoyment again. You know, he seems to have created a kind of a good atmosphere around the club. And, you know, you can talk, you can talk tactics till the cows come home. And I'm not saying there's no, there's nothing to them. But, you know, just having everybody upbeat and, and, and positive sometimes when you're down around the bottom of the league can make a massive difference. And, uh, He's doing some job, absolutely fair play to him, because I agree with Carl. I thought when he, they made that appointment, this lad's just been sacked in the championship. Why are you giving him a job? But, uh, yeah, fair play to him, and I'd say he'll be sticking around the Premier League for a while. Well, talking about uh, people having the crack down at the bottom of the league, West Brom, oh, they, I, th- I think, <laughs> Peter, a, a phrase that you often use is uh, they had too much fun. Well, the boys had too much fun on their trip in Barcelona, didn't they? And, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'm stealing people's pricks of the week here, but it's not really yeah. what sides should be doing, you know, when they're rock bottom of the league. And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're thinking go off, let off some steam, get a bit of a better mood around the place. But uh hasn't really worked out that way, has it, Marissa? No, not at all. I mean, I just don't understand what you're doing. You're bottom of the league. You haven't won since goodness knows when. What are you doing going to Barcelona? Like, you're not doing the job on the pitch. It's practically a reward. Go and get some sunshine, and then they abuse it, and they. Well, (laughs) well, there you go. So, what is the point? They could have just stayed in England, done some hard. It is hotter than England, Jesus Christ, lads. Fair, fair play, but it's not. It's not like warm weather training. You know what I mean? It's about like nineteen and probably raining around about this time. Yeah, that's how it was described. I mean, you know, most places are warmer than England, (laughs) but I mean, ah, I just I don't understand the logic of it, and just. You know, maybe if they'd gone and won against Southampton, then okay, Pardew's a genius. You know, he's given them a boost that they need or whatever. But the fact they come from that, the taxi gate, with just four of the most, you know, sort of boring players you could think in that team <laughs> have been involved in this kind of scandal. Yeah, what were the rest of them up to at that time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. If Gareth Barry and Johnny Evans are robbing taxis, what's happening <laughs> on the other side of the building? You know. <laughs> Like Johnny Evans, oh yeah, fuck them. Well, you know, if they get relegated, I'll be off for three million, so I'm not really asked with this lot anymore. <laughs> but for fans, how does that come across? You're you're at the bottom of the league, rock bottom. You're going to stealing taxis and getting some McDonald's. Like, no, you should be in bed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just not professional. And Johnny Evans, Gareth Barry, using these are professional play, like some of the most 
professional players in the Premier League and in times where they've, they've won one of their last 25 games, you should be focusing on the football. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're not really going to sack Pardew now because mm. who is there left? They're just going to get stuck with him. But, I mean, if they get relegated, I'm sure he'll be gone, whether to another club or back on Sky doing punditry. Oh. But I just, just, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I, Marissa, I'm to... not sure. There's a lot of rumours this week that because they sacked a couple of them. Um... Yeah, they're saying two games, I think I've heard. Yeah, no, but they've sacked, they sacked I don't know what chairman it was, the chairman, the chairman yeah, or whatever, the Chinese yeah. owner. So his position is mm. kind of up for review. And supposedly the players didn't even want to go on the Barcelona trip. And um, yeah, his wallet and all got robbed. I That's think. my favourite yeah, bit of the whole probably thing. Probably by the players. Um, <laughs> Honest so. to God, the, 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 lo- the part of you losing his phone and his wallet is my favourite fucking part of the whole thing. Because it's just because you just know that he was he was probably out as well. You know what I mean? We've all been there yeah. on a night out when you just wake up and oh, it's gone. Oh, what's happened? Oh, there's a police are there. Oh, the ta- what you mean? They robbed a fuck. Are you serious? Oh, Jesus Christ! They're all making a circle in the nightclub and parties dancing in the middle of it. You just know that that happened. Like, there's no danger thing. Oh God, it's just it's fucking completely ridiculous. The whole fucking thing. Gareth Barry, I think that's the funniest thing. Ninety-five year old Gareth Barry robbing a fucking taxi. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. So, uh, so are West Brom going down then? Because they're on twenty points. We're laughing at them because they're a big fucking joke. Are they? Are they set then? Are we? Are we writing them off? Um, yes, definitely. Yes. yes. Okay. Right. So that we're is ri- the guaranteed one. The other two spots are up for grabs, but I think West Brom is guaranteed going down. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're twenty points. They're gone. And then Stoke Southampton just above them in twenty five and twenty six points. But then from there up. You're talking up to mid-table, takes us up to 30. So it's a real scrap still, and probably will be up until the last game or two. So who do we think is in trouble? Um, Huddersfield. Huddersfield will be yeah, the next I, one, I think, that go. I, I think so. Well, I, I, was, I would have said, Newcastle like, they got that well. big win, didn't they? They got the big win, Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, 4-1 against Bor- Bournemouth, but they're sliding badly. Um, I know they scored four goals in that, but... They, they haven't really looked like scoring goals for a while. Um, I think Crystal Palace will be fine. Uh, I, mm. I think Hodgson has enough to keep them up. So I Stoke, will be, Stoke will be the others. For me, it's going to be yeah, West Brom, yeah. Huddersfield and Stoke. I yeah, I don't think you'll we'll be fair. What about that. Newcastle? I think they'll just about get over. Yeah, I think they'll get a couple of key wins at home, Newcastle, to just see them safe above the other two. Uh, but you never know. This is the thing, isn't it? Could go, the, all those teams there. You, you know, you could pick any of them and put a case forward for them all dropping. That's what is more exciting with Man City running away with the league. There's a little bit of excitement for the top four, but really, it's the relegation battle because there's about ten teams involved. Yeah. So, like every week, it switches who's in the bottom three. Really, I think West Brom are the only ones you can call, but the other two, it just changes on a weekly basis. So, yeah, as yeah. you said. It'd be serious for Southampton to go down, though, wouldn't it? Like, after (coughs) after consistently finishing, you know, up six, seven EFL Cup final last week, last last season. Season. Um, I called it the start of the season. I thought it was madness by them. I thought they got a bit too big for their boots, getting rid of Puel. And, you know, Pellegrino doesn't seem to be 
that inspiring of a coach at the moment. But they still have a lot of... They're a very tidy team when you watch Southampton, you know. They play good football, but they just don't seem to score goals, really. So, you know, they, they seem to struggle to get results as well. So I, I'd say West, I'm gonna, I'd go West Brom and Stoke. And then I think there might be a surprise in there. You said Palace, you thought it'd be safe. They've got an awful run coming up as well. I think they've got United, Chelsea and City in the next in the next month. I mean, OK, then... And Zaha's injured, who's yeah. their best player. And Benteke is absolutely useless. So unless <laughs> yeah. they get a few penalties and Milivojevic puts them away, I think they will be stuffed in those three games. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. I mean, I guess it means that they'll probably have an easier run as they head into the into the actual run-in. Uh, Newcastle, that's an interesting one as well. You reckon they'll probably get the results? Do you think if... I mean, that'll be an incredible achievement when you think about it. If, if Benitez manages to keep them up, not even, you know, anywhere close to the middle of the table, considering the lack of investment and the complete utter basket case that is that club. Yeah, yeah. See, the thing is, with all of them clubs, you look at the table... Two wins could could take you out of it. Um, yeah. You know, it's not unheard of for any of them teams to win two games on the bounce, and and then they're almost safe. Like you know, so it, it's so there's I think there's going to be so many twists and turns in terms of the relegation this uh, relegation battle this year. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, and I'd say it, by the looks of the table at the moment, I'd be surprised if it doesn't come down to the last day for at least two of the spots. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. So uh, I'm going to ask you to put your head on the block then. So we're all saying West Brom. Give us the other two sides. Marissa? Right, West Brom, Newcastle and Huddersfield, I'll say. Oh, so Stoke get out? Yeah. Okay. Just about, I think. Peter? Uh, Stoke and Huddersfield. Unfortunately, because I love David Wagner and his little cute hat. But <laughs> there, there'll be no regular hat-wearing managers left in, in the Premier League if he That's goes. That's a crying shame. It's the point, Disappointed. <laughs> you see, you got rid of Pulis. He was like the 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 king of the club yeah, wearing yeah, yeah, hat I, with his white trainers. You haven't listened to episodes of the podcast, have mm-hmm. you, Marita? No. No. Well, I More used to have this. a section called Pulis Watch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, long live the king. And, uh, <laughs> and and Carl, what about you? Who do you reckon is going to go down? Yeah, Stoke and Huddersfield for me. I think Huddersfield now have hit that point where they're they're just going to dip. And Stoke, I don't see getting enough points. I just see them that they're they're dreadful. Um, So those two for me with West Brom. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to stay as is. I'm going to go Stoke and Southampton. Yeah, that's that's just that's just a that's just an exercise in sitting on the fence. Yeah, yeah, not even changing it up. Whatever. Huddersfield are just on the other side of the fence. That's fine. Yeah, but Southampton. Southampton don't score goals. I think that's going to be their undoing. I know Huddersfield don't either, but I just I don't think uh, I don't think Southampton are going to get out of there. You're a lazy, lazy man, so. Yeah. Uh, also, also, I couldn't. I just they're right there, and I just said it. Uh, right. So uh, let's crack on to the end of the show and find out who our pricks of the week are. Can we see beyond uh, Pardew and the boys? For for me, it's the fan last night who with Aguero. Because, you know, to me, what? why can't you just enjoy the victory without having to, you know, cause any grief as such? And, yeah, it, it, that's the problem with football fans, isn't it? You know, why can't you just enjoy your moment and be happy about it? You, someone has to go on and try to cause trouble. You know, same as the Man City fans, even though they were being goaded, 
come on, look at what you're going to win. Give a little team their moment and let them have some joy without kicking off over it like spoiled kids. And but it's for not, me, it's that's not that long they were in that position either. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, let let them have their moment. You know, without that without that oil money, you would have been them, and you would have been that happy over a giant killing at one point in in life. So just remember how it felt. But the fan who runs on with Agüero to me, you know, there's no need for it. Just run on and enjoy your moment, but don't don't do stuff like that. Yeah, I think every other week we've always gone and nominated different people, but I, I don't think I can I can look any further than uh, than the fan who ran on and spat in his ear and told him to suck my dick. That's uh, yeah, that's that's a bit too far. Um, yeah, I'd say like maybe like a little bit of yeah, I don't know. You, you, if you run on the pitch, just stay away from the opposition players. You know what I mean? Yeah, simple as um, you know. Well, maybe a little bit of jeering when you're running by or something. Yeah, well, like, say, getting there. up and so there'd have been nothing and wrong with there. Maybe with a bit flip of the bird off or something, but you know, getting, <laughs> spitting in somebody's yeah. ear and tell you know abusively yeah, telling them such a is just too far. I might probably would flip the bird, maybe, but not right. <laughs> maybe <laughs> there is no doubt. <laughs> uh, Marissa, you're going with Pardew and his uh, and his merry bunch, yeah. Yeah, I just, what are you taking them to Barcelona for, you know? And then they've gone and let him down. As I said, the most boring players in that team have gone and let him down. Oh, it's just, it's only one of those stories you hear about for years to come after they get relegated. It's why did they do it? So I think, yeah, they've got to go. They've got to go out of the Premier League and they're all pricks. Uh, well, to be honest, I can't agree with you because I just love that story so much. I love everything about it. <laughs> everything about it. I love it. Um, and it's unfortunate. Last week, I think our prick of the week would have been an actual prick, which was, of course, the Huddersfield wobbly wobbly willy from the bench. Do you remember? Oh, have you okay. all seen that? But uh, yeah. no, I think there can only be one, and it is, of course, that absolute prick of a fan who ran on spat in Aguero's ear. What an absolute prick! Yeah, you're a prick. That's it for us. Thanks so much for for listening. And uh, if you want to get involved in the show, just uh, do tweet us and you can find us on Facebook and you can email us as well. You'll find that or you can get through to us at podcast at the football faithful dot com. Thanks a lot, Peter. Cheers, lads. Off to watch the the rest of this Chelsea match now. Thanks a lot, Marissa. Yeah. Cheers, lads. I'm also going to do the same. Enjoy. And Carl, good luck. Cheers, fellas, and let's hope Chelsea gets banged. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye.